everyone. I'm Emma. And I'm Morgan. And today we will be talking about the Hill of Crosses in Lithuania. We will be discussing the history and origins of the hill, why it's such an interesting site to visit, some common themes surrounding the hill, and then we will finish off with some interesting facts about it. So before we dive in and discuss some of the more interesting aspects of the Hill of Crosses and discuss uh, course themes related to it overall, we wanted to dedicate some time to discussing the history behind the site and how it came to be. So the Hill of Crosses is located approximately 12 kilometers north of the Lithuanian city of Sholay, and the exact origins of the site remain unknown. But from what I gather, uh, the generally accepted view is that the origins of the hill can be traced to the November uprisings of 1831. For those who don't know, the November uprisings was an armed rebellion in Poland against the Russian Empire. Lithuania was a part of the uprising, and unfortunately during this time, many Lithuanian people died as a result. Many families were unable to locate the bodies of their loved ones during uh, during this time who died in the uprisings, and as a result began placing symbolic crosses on the site of a former hill fort, where the Hill of Crosses is located today. Following the November uprisings, people continued to place crosses on the hill for various reasons, including to pray for peace, to pray for a loved one, or for their country, or any, many other reasons. Following World War II, the site became very significant to Lithuanian national identity and transformed into a symbol of independence. Previously, in 1918, Lithuania gained its independence, but following the Second World War, the country was occupied by the Soviet Union. The Soviets weren't too thrilled about this and attempted to get rid of the site while occupying Lithuania. They bulldozed over the Hill of Crosses at least three times and considered building a dam nearby in hopes of drowning out the site. However, despite the Soviets' best efforts, the crosses on the hill remained and the site itself still exists today. Today, the hill is a popular pilgrimage site for many Catholics all over the world, and there are actually conflicting numbers as to how many crosses are there today. Some sources said 20,000, while an estimate in 2006 determined that, that there were 100,000 crosses. However, some believe that there's potentially half a million crosses there today, which is just incredible to think about. Uh, moving on to what's interesting about the Hill of Crosses is uh, that unlike most monuments or statues or commemorative sites, this one wasn't built by the state in order to promote selected narratives to shape the national identity or to generate love and admiration for the ruling power. This commemorative site was in fact created by the population and for the population. It's the opposite of what one would expect of a monument erected to commemorate the passing of soldiers during a war as it might have started out. Um, for example, Lithuania, as many other countries, uh, has monuments dedicated to the memory of the victims of various events. I'm thinking about the Kaunas monument to the victims of fascism uh, that commemorates the loss of Jews during the Second World War. Um, also, several communist statues of notable individuals, such as Stalin, of course, uh, were placed throughout the country during the Soviet period. On a side note about that, uh, in an attempt to deal with the material legacies of its Soviet past, Lithuania gathered together these statues in one memorial site, the Grutash Park, uh, which could also be described as a sort of commemorative site in itself dedicated to the occupation of the, of the territory. 
But uh, all these examples about memorials in Lithuania, they are the result of the ruling party's decision to erect something, where it was approved by the population or not. And uh, it was devoted to honoring and remembering an event group or someone in particular. The Hill of Crosses stands out from these kinds of monuments and commemorative sites in Lithuania and other post-Soviet countries because it was not an initiative from a government. It became one through the actions of the population and the reputation it gained, which was being a, a statement of the Lithuanian identity. What also sets it aside is that it's a changing site. Uh, as Sema mentioned, it suffered at times of destruction and it's constantly growing as people continue to bring their own crosses. It's not a regulated site nor affiliated with any organization. The focus is really on it being a place created by and for the people. So this really means that as a commemorative site, it's a, a distinct one. Uh, furthermore, it was an open, though passive, protest against the Soviet regime. Another interesting fact uh, relating to that about the Hill of Crosses is that it's an expression of how Baltic people dealt with being incorporated into the Soviet Union. Uh, communism was imposed on a Christian Catholic population that did not comply with the atheist ideology. But in the spirit of the peaceful essence of the Baltic people, they resisted to the Soviet rule without violent acts. Um, for example, Estonians stay true to their rules through singing folk songs at national events despite it not being allowed to intervene. And in the same line of thoughts, Lithuanians expressed the identity that the Soviet wanted to suppress through wood carving and celebrating their religious faith. Uh, even when the Soviets tried to destroy the hill, Lithuanians continued to bring crosses in a demonstration of silent resistance to the occupation. And it worked because the hill of crosses survived the Soviet Union. So now we wanted to dedicate some time to discussing some common themes related to the hill of crosses and our course in general. In our class, we've discussed the importance of monuments and how many times during the Soviet and post-Soviet eras, monuments were really used as a tool to reinforce a specific ideology or even a feeling about the Soviet state, political leaders, or a national identity. In many ways, monuments themselves really represent an idea either about the past or the present. And typically speaking, as we've already discussed, it's the state itself that will develop and place a monument. However, as we already know, what is different about the Hill of Crosses is that it's not a monument placed or developed by the state, but rather by the people. And this is really interesting to think about because it goes against our ideas and discussions about what a monument is supposed to be. As Morgan mentioned, the Hill of Crosses was a symbol of national identity during the Soviet era. At the time, the monument re represented heritage, defiance, and resistance. Obviously, the Soviet forces do not occupy Lithuania anymore, but these notions of heritage and defiance have really transcended time. And the monument itself has really maintained these feelings and ideas throughout the decades. What is also interesting is that the Hill of Crosses itself represents more than one type of monument. For example, the Hill of Crosses is a disavowed monument in the sense that it was physically destroyed several times. 
However, it's also a glorified monument in many ways, because despite the fact that it was physically destroyed many times by the Soviets, the monument itself has been maintained throughout the decades and continues to grow in size even today. Considering all of this, the Hill of Crosses is an extremely interesting and unique monument because it defies traditional definitions and categorizations, and because no one entity is responsible for maintaining it. It's really up to the Lithuanian people to decide how to maintain and treat the site. And now on to a central theme about this site, which is how it is associated with identity. And as discussed previously, the Hill of Crosses is today a national symbol of the Lithuanian identity. Throughout the years, and especially during the Soviet occupation, the place stood for the Lithuanian people, mainly for three reasons. The first one is uh, that because it was created and maintained by the Lithuanian population in a kind of group effort to express their will, their religion, and their remembering, uh, it wasn't imposed on them or built for them like most monuments are. They, they did it, they participated in its creation and expansion, and thus contributed to its meaning on a larger scale. Uh, the second reason on why it's a national symbol is uh, because wood carving is a folk tradition, and uh, this Hill of Crosses enabled the Lithuanians to display their skills and stay close to their roots. Uh, even today, some of the crosses stand out for their intricate details. So preserving and engaging in this traditional heritage was a way of putting forward their identity, especially when the Soviet Union wanted to suppress it. And the third and most important reason is that this hill is a symbol of hope against oppression. There are many hypotheses regarding the origins of the hill, as mentioned, but one of them is that crosses were erected after uprising to gain independence from the Russian Empire in the 1830s. From then on, people continuously brought crosses to commemorate the victims from the Tsarist and then Soviet oppressions. It meant that their effort to liberate Lithuania would not be forgotten. The Soviet Union tried to destroy the place as it stood against the communist ideology and defied the ruling force that wanted to assimilate the Lithuanian population as much as possible. And that meant not displaying what made them distinct and certainly not openly defying the occupying force but sustaining a site associated with hope for independence. Uh, the repetition of destruction and crisis being consistently brought back by Lithuanian even added to this symbol of hope and identity. And now not only does it stand for this original meaning of representing Lithuania, it also represents a peaceful victory and reinforces the national identity that survived the Soviet period. So another concept we want to discuss is the use of crosses. Everyone knows that the cross is a Christian religious symbol, but the use and history of the cross in Lithuania is actually a bit more complex. As we've already discussed, Lithuania was occupied by the Soviets from the 1940s until the 1990s. During this time, the use of religious symbols, and particularly the use and display of crosses, was actually banned. Because of this, the choice to place crosses on the Hill of Crosses was not simply just a religious choice, but also a choice of rebellion. 
because it demonstrated to the Soviets that you can ban crosses and religious symbols all you want, we're still going to go against your wishes and continue placing crosses. And the history of cross-making in Lithuania, too, actually dates back to the 18th century, well before the Hill of Crosses was believed to have started. Cross-making itself is a traditional form of folk art and has only been communicated verbally or through live examples. It has technically never been taught, taught or passed down in any other form. In many ways, it is considered more of an art than a craft, as many Lithuanian people pride themselves on their ability to design beautiful and elaborate crosses. In essence, cross-making has become a significant part of Catholicism in Lithuania and is considered a part of their national heritage. Yeah, and now a bit on how the Hill of Crosses is, again, a very unique site. Uh, as mentioned before, one of the particularities is that it's always evolving. Even today, people from all over Lithuania and even tourists from abroad can bring their own crosses. The Pope John Paul II himself visited in 1993 and donated a cross. And as it's becoming a tourist site, it's now also possible to purchase a cross in gift stalls nearby to leave them on the hill. So really, people can all participate in maintaining this national tradition. Uh, the essence of the place is that everyone is welcome to contribute, be it for nationalistic or personal reasons, and it doesn't belong to anybody. So before we finish off our podcast episode today, Morgan and I wanted to share some interesting facts we found with you all that we thought were quite intriguing. One thing we learned was that there's actually a hill of crosses in Estonia as well. Theirs is located on the island of Hiuma, which is Estonia's second largest island. Similar to the hill of crosses in Lithuania, its origins are unknown as well. However, it is generally believed that the Estonian Hell of Crosses was started in 1781 by Swedes living in the region as a final religious act of worship. The hill is quite a bit uh, smaller than the one in Lithuania. If you look up pictures of it, it's actually kind of eerie. Um, it appears to be located in a forest, and quite a few of the crosses appear to be made from sticks and branches. That being said, this hell also still exists today, and many tourists will visit the site and leave crosses behind. And on to a very interesting subject. So, of course, a place covered in crosses is open to mystical sayings. Uh, there are local reports of sightings of ghosts, usually at sunrise. Uh, this is from travel blogs of people speaking to locals, so the it might be biased, but one story in particular keeps coming back. Uh, so it's the story of a father who had a sick daughter and he had a vision of a woman telling him to carve a wooden cross and place it on a hill, uh, which would later become the Hill of Crosses in Lithuania. And after doing so, when he returned home, his daughter was awaiting him standing and healthy. So this prompted other to, others to bring crosses to the hill in the hope of having their prayers answered as well. So if this hill is indeed haunted, it appears to be by good spirits. And uh, one last surprising fact about the Hill of Crosses is that now, because of tourists and continuing contributions, today, in addition to uh, Catholic Lithuanian crosses, there are also rosaries, Orthodox icons, and Jewish stars. So it really shows how this site belongs to everyone, and it makes it even more unique. 
So with that, that concludes our podcast. We hope you learned something interesting today and thank you all for listening.